pudding and the pudding in this place is a football. Move! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, Gary's back. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've done a show in a while, actually. I, I, I've been trying to uh, do, I had Marvin and I had uh, Derek on because like you uh, refused to do the show. So uh, I, had to, <laughs> I had to up your salary to get you back on. So uh, how are you doing, man? Good. My, my agent was talking to the CPL <laughs> newsroom. Um, we got quite far into negotiations, but then I thought, nah. I know where my bread's buttered, but I should I should probably apologize to people listening who listened to your podcast for the first time last week, because you got a lot of, I feel like you probably got a lot of listens to that and are expecting Derek Martin again, but he's nowhere to be seen. It's just me yeah, with some subpar commentary on the club. So sorry, everyone. I, I don't, I don't think it's a fair representation of what you bring to the show, Gary. Uh I think you do a great job, man. I'm proud of you. Thank and, you, and, Manny. I know, and it, that did not even sound. Uh, no, it sounded genuine. That was yeah, really nice. I, I actually, was it was being genuine. So, um, obviously, a lot's been happening since the last time you're on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do kind of want to before we chug into uh, the the shit show on the weekend. Um, that's what I kind of. Oh, want... You're in a good mood, aren't you? I know, I know, but <laughs> I kind of, I kind of wanted to uh, th- just kind of get into. Uh, what your thoughts are on the stadium? Because obviously that's been the big talk, and what you like, what you thought of what was the, what it's going to look like, what the ideas were, like for the money and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, I also would like you to uh maybe apologize to the Ottawa fans for the the spot you started online. Like I uh <laughs> having Ali Bassett get involved, I thought was amazing. So uh, yes, <laughs> what happened, Gary? What happened after the game that? Made you to start tweeting at uh, Ottawa people. You know, Ottawa. Yeah. I, I blame it on Shep fully, actually. Like, we were watching the game and he was, he was like, admittedly, he said, like, he was in a bad mood and he was just getting really annoyed at their time wasting. And he kind of brought me along for the ride and I was getting really frustrated and wound up by the time wasting as well. And then when we won, I remember walking out of the stadium and I, I think I had, like, one light beer, so I wasn't pissed or anything. And I was, just, I was like, you know, like when they just felt like such villains of the piece throughout that whole game. And I've just watched them. I've watched them play that style of football so much at the grounds and it's so tedious. And I was just like saying to my mates as I was walking out, I was like, I'm feeling a bit mischievous tonight. I'm going to go on the wind up when I get in. So I like, <laughs> but then I got in and I was knackered. And like, I tweeted that out and I like thought, oh, that's a bit quite funny, actually. Um, went bed and then I woke up late for work the next day. Um, so I didn't, and I don't have notifications on my phone. And I was like, so I didn't have time to check Twitter in the morning. Um, kind of forgot about it. And then it got to lunchtime and I checked my phone, checked Twitter. And I was like, what the fuck have I got like 150 notifications for? <laughs> and I opened it up and like the tweet had like likes and retweets combined, like 130, 140 <laughs> likes and retweets and shit. A load of comments of like really angry comments from people from Ottawa. Uh, a couple of couple of aggro DMs. Um and then I, I was got... like and then I was like Ollie Bassett's having a pop at me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a few angry DMs as well. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ man. All, all fun and games. And I was like 
I started to read some of it and I was like, I don't have time to do this on my lunch break. So I just muted all of the conversations. So on a rainy day in future, I'll read, I'll read all of the vitriol. But, but yeah, I must admit, I looked at it the next day and I was like, bloody hell, that's a bit out of character, isn't it? Like, that's you, quite, that's quite you, went, you went, went fucking viral, Jesus Christ. But yeah, um, it was I, just I, a piss take though. It's just a piss take. But uh, I... I I just love like that the go-to now is like to uh, slag off the stadium. Uh, that seems to be always yeah yeah go-to, which which is fair enough actually because we don't have running water. Uh, so yeah, so uh, uh, hopefully you listened to the episode with Derek. There's been I did. It was really good. He's been he's been everywhere, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what you th- what you think. They like are they being not ambitious enough? Are they being ambitious enough? Like what what your thoughts are and uh, and how do you think the outcome will be? Do you think they'll actually happen? I like I'm I'm politically really no, especially when it comes to like provincial city politics, very naive, I think. So I, I've absolutely no idea. But just from my incredibly biased perspective, it looks like a wonderful little stadium and exactly the size the club needs, the city needs. And like I think it must be frustrating for Derek and the club because so many people have kind of like are misinformed about what this actually is like this idea and this narrative of like this corporate entity coming in and stealing public land and like anyone who actually knows about the club and the work they do in the community anyone who lived here prior to the club forming like I moved here in 2016 and that was a shit show that patch of land like I yep. remember walking past it a lot because I live around the corner, just thinking like, "What's what's the point of this piece of land? It's just muddy and gross." And yeah, and like, and like kind of just the, the the club aren't stealing the land from anyone. The club have literally done the city's homework for them and designed this fantastic stadium befitting a city that's growing at the rate Halifax is, and a city that has kind of designs on being kind of known as a bit of a powerhouse city in Canada, I think, long-term. And the club have done the legwork for them and designed a stadium befitting that and and would only be using it 14 days a year. And the rest of the time, it's literally anyone's to come and use. And hence why having turf there, I think, is a, is the only option as well. Like, um, yeah, I just find it, I find it strange that people would be so opposed to that. But I think it's a classic case of, like, when people people who haven't been to a game who have not experienced the the atmosphere and you feel like you're on the outside looking in a little bit. And I find like with anything that a lot of people like, if you're one of the people that don't like it, you're, you kind of say it the loudest because you want, you just want to like kind of battle back against that feeling of being left out. So I think that's probably what's going on, but yeah, hopefully they can push it through, but I've got no idea about the political side of it. So who knows? Yeah. Um, it's, you're definitely right. Like I think that it's um people who just they're naysaying for the sake of naysaying and it's got issues with everything. Like I mean, obviously the comments has been redeveloped quite a bit in the last 10 years, 10, 15 years with the oval and the swimming mm-hmm. or the splash pad and all that kind of stuff. And they've been opposed to every single piece of that too. So the thing is, like, the commons is supposed to be for everybody to use. And if you just have a patch of land there with, like, a load of muck on it, and the only thing is it's good for is for, as Derek said, like, for people walking their dogs. That's it. You know what I mean? So you already have a dog park downtown. You don't need another one. So, mm. um, yeah, I I hope that it gets going. But 
it, it just from watching the, the proceedings, it seems like they, they want to extend what they've got already and kind of kick the can down the road, which, yeah. you know, if, if you do that by two or three years, you're adding five, ten million to it every time because inflation and materials cost yeah. more and stuff like that. So I think it's a bit silly. Um, so, yeah, so uh, let's move into this game. Uh, so we had, had we won this, we would have been guaranteed a playoff spot. Um, mm-hmm. which um, I think is probably why we lost it. <laughs> we put too much pressure on ourselves, but we did make some some changes because you need to bring in um some yeah under twenty one minutes, which seems to be what we do with the away games now to try and make uh make up the minutes that way. Um, what did you think of the lineup? Uh, what do you think of uh, Wilson was almost playing in the Rampy slash Omar, which. It's kind of different to what he's been playing before, I think. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of the lineup? Yeah, I think I think before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game, it's important to kind of like take a step back and see the big picture of the trajectory of the club over the past six, seven months, and realize that like we have already surpassed last season's point total. We've scored a lot more goals already. We will still get a playoff spot. Like we need a point to get in the playoffs, which I'm sure we'll get, and that's assuming that like. York and Ottawa are well neither of them can be per- both of them can't be perfect because they play each other but regardless like we we need a point to get in the playoffs which I'm sure we'll get so I mean I was thinking before this about remember the podcast we did pre-season where we discussed like what would constitute a successful season for the club and I think both of us agreed it would be finishing six would be a good season because that would be higher than we finished last season and you can only kind of you can only go into a season hoping to progress by like one or two spots because everyone is improving everyone's hiring better people there's more money in the league now so the fact that we're we're going to finish either fourth or fifth likely fourth i think is it's a huge that's that's huge huge progress and the joy's back in the club again um is is just such a positive thing but like with that as well there are results that don't go well there are some decisions we probably don't necessarily agree with that are worth talking about as well um so yeah in terms of the lineup i think we are going to get the under 21 minutes on the road i i think again we talked about that a few a couple of months ago maybe and said that's probably what would happen because bank on the home form and there's kind of less at stake away from home that kind of hasn't really laid out like we wanted it to because we have dropped a couple more points at home than we'd like but that's the time to use to get the points in um I feel like it's been a few games since we talked so there has been quite a few changes recently like we've been watching us all season play kind of the 4-2-3-1-4-3-3 formation and then against Pacific away a few weeks ago we switched to three at the back or five at the back depending on how you want to see it and I completely understood doing that in Pacific and I completely agreed with it as well because I thought we knew we were going to kind of play a lot of our younger players. We knew we'd be defending the box for a lot of the game. So just put three big centre-backs in, defend the box, accept that you're not going to have the much of the ball and and move on. And what I found surprising was then in the next game against Cavalry, we used it again. And the reason for that is that I feel like we've got a really young group and the season has hit a point of great stress um, and great emotion and I feel like when that happens you don't want to add more complexity into what you're doing you want to simplify everything because if you add more complexity in like like 
in our personal lives and everyone listening's personal lives, like oh, our work lives, when we're facing moments of great stress and pressure, we kind of tend to not be able to think rationally and clearly about what we want to do. And professional athletes are no different. It, when 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 matches hit like a stress point, a pressure point, you lose the ability to kind of think clearly. So I always feel like what you want to do in them moments is simplify what you're doing, is to go back to all these automatons and patterns that you've been working on throughout the season and to really lean into that muscle memory because that's kind of when you're relying on instinct instead of having to think about what you're doing, players under pressure do better so I did think changing the formation changing the defensive shape at that point was probably something they would regret and I think he even said at half time during one of the games maybe the Ottawa game where he's like we, we maybe were overthinking the opposition and we just needed to get back to our basics and back to our game and let the players play which I think they've they've corrected that so no problems yep. at all with it um but yeah going into the Vancouver game a couple of little changes. Like they've they've been playing Zach Fernandez as a left back the last couple of games, and he's doing kind of that left centre back thing. And Riley Ferrazzo as a right back has been getting up the pitch and playing like kind of as a right winger while Aiden Daniels tucks. And that's interesting. I'm still I was kind of hoping we could talk about that because I still haven't I haven't decided whether I like it or not. And I've got, like my idea why they've done that is I think against Ottawa they were worried about Assi, so they wanted. Zach Fernandez on his side to kind of cover him because he sprints a lot, which was absolutely fine. And he, he nullified him well. He got the assist for the goal. My only concern with playing him there is that every single wide player we've got instinctively wants to turn inside and turn into traffic. And when all of our wide players want to turn into traffic, that really, really narrows the pitch in, in, a, in a time when we kind of want the pitch to be as big as possible. But I'd love to know your thoughts on why that change has been made and if you think it's working or not. The good thing about Zach Fernandez is like that he's the type of player that you can put him anywhere and he still looks quality. As you said, like for the that last goal against Ottawa, like just summed them up entirely. Didn't give up on it. It was like ran his heart out to get the ball there and stuff like that. So I, I don't have an issue with him playing on that side, but I really do think he's better on the right side. Like and bombing forward because that's what he does really well it's like it's one of our biggest um biggest outlets uh mm. especially when we're under pressure or if we're on the uh, like on a counter-attack and like Riley Fratzo, I think was designed for that left center backslash uh that pivot that pivot thing so I I I I guess it's probably just to try and mix it up just to confuse the opposition and try something different but if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think that Ferrazzo is a really good player, and but I think that he's he's better suited to um play more as a defensive player and letting Zach Fernandez like shoot on. Cause I think we missed that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think like him like going in the right hand side and like just being an overlap, even if the ball doesn't go to him, it just it drags people, right? So like he it's mm-hmm. opening up spaces and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I'd I'd prefer him to be back out on the right, to be honest, because I think that's where he does his best work. So my my little my other little working theory for that is that maybe I always notice in home games he'll he'll have a little spell in every single home game where he looks injured and I'm like, Oh, Fernandez has got to come off here, like his hammy's gone or something. And he always kind of like goes down, is holding his hamstring, doesn't look completely comfortable. And then 
he doesn't like I feel like he hasn't completely trusted his sprinting recently and I think that's again this is completely uninformed just my little kind of half-baked theory I wonder if he is carrying a little bit of a muscular soft tissue injury and they want him on the pitch, but they don't necessarily want him making kind of repeated high intensity sprints, which he'd be doing if he was playing on the right. Yeah. And they've just gone like, we're going to still use you. We still need you on the pitch because he is like in our top four or five best players. I think, oh, yeah. Big time. Um, comfortably. So we want you on the pitch, but we're going to put you in a position where you're less up and down and more just kind of holding the shape. And if we need to use your sprinting ability for a ball in behind, we can, but we're not asking you to be up and down all match. That's just a theory. Yeah, I, I I still think uh, I you know if if you're carrying an injury like that, you're just gonna make it worse. And uh, I mean, if he needs to be rested for a couple of games, I know we've got big games coming up. Like you have to make an adjustment because you know I'd rather have him for the playoffs than for him to like tear his hamstring and be out for um a, a bunch of time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just I did I did mention like uh Wilson playing in the middle there, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on how he did. I I, I thought you actually myself I thought you had a really good game and they look he looked pretty accomplished i think he did a, a great job what did you think yeah i like him i like i like the look of him a lot i feel like he was very tidy he didn't give the ball away very much i'm sure as he becomes more comfortable at this level and more kind of comfortable in his status within the squad he will be a bit more adventurous with his passing and try and like the thing this is the way bigger conversation that we'll have at the end of the season. But the thing I really, really think if, if like this entire squad moves over to next season, for example, which it won't, but let's just hypothetically say it does. The thing I would really like to add to our team is a center midfielder who, who drives with the ball, who breaks lines by dribbling it. And I think like if you're Armin Wilson, you're looking around this team going, Okay, what's missing? And I, I think that is the most obvious thing that's missing because we like to play between the lines, but we only really play between the lines by passing and line breaking passes. But if you've got someone that can carry it between the lines and an athlete who can sprint with it, then I think that's something this team really needs. And I think he has the athleticism and the physique to do that. So if I was him, I would be thinking like, that's one way I could really become an important part of this team if I can just give them something they don't need because we, we've got plenty of tidy passes we don't yeah. have anyone that can break lines by running so yeah I, I just add that to his game but he's he's looked good I like him I like him a lot the, the big thing with this game is like I, I thought we like which was different to our last couple of performances that we started this one really well um, I, I thought mm. like we looked way the better team for like the first 20 minutes or so uh, we created some really good chances uh, Daniel's don't know how he missed that one. Coimbra mm. uh, got it was a lovely true ball, I think, from Geraldo that set him for for his chance. And then we just like every every game you're gonna have swings and roundabouts, and they came obviously came back into the game, but they came back into the game, and we never really like took it back off them. You know what I mean? Like I, I we we kind of went up and we scored and all that kind of stuff, but came out the second half and we were just so so flat. Um, it just felt like we were just like. Okay, we've got we've got we've got a goal here. Let's just sit back and soak with the pressure, and uh, let's hope that we get away with a win. Like, and it, it just seems just uh, anti what you feel like the club or the team is trying to do. You know what I mean? That mm. that second half was probably one of the worst uh, halves I've seen the Wanderers play all season. It was terrible. Uh, yeah, 
I I know I completely agree. I think first half we were excellent. I thought we looked we looked serious. We looked focused. We looked like the only team who had anything to play for, which we were. And like I, I first ten minutes, I was like, Jesus, we look proper bang on it, which we never do when we play away on the West Coast. We never look like we're on it, and we look instantly bang on it. So I thought it's going to be a breeze. I was watching that going, like these are these aren't very good like we were just and basically what Vancouver were doing first half is they left three up top and they just refused to press our goalie or our center backs like as soon as like Kale got the ball Dan got the ball Jan got the ball any of them got the ball the three Vancouver forwards were just kind of like stand still almost their defenders their back forward push right up and they just kind of play a high line, not really press us, and just completely squeeze the pitch into this really tiny space because they know our identity is we like to play throughout through the lines and find pockets of space. So they were like, all right, we're just going to make the pitch tiny and you're not going to be able to do that, which means all the space is then over the heads of the defenders, which is why we started going long to great success, actually. Like we noticed that the space was there. Tiago's runs were good. The timing of their runs were good. So we kept popping it over their centre-backs, running into that space and looking really dangerous and creating chances. Second half, like, honestly, mate, you watch the first five minutes of that game and then the first five minutes of the second half, watch what their three forwards are doing. Completely different game. Like, their three forwards, as soon as the second half starts, are just charging and sprinting every single time any of our three defenders or our goalkeeper has the ball they are like pressing us like mad men the midfielders are joining in and pressing arm and wilson and and lorenzo and they're just like it's just i don't know if this was like a pre-designed tactical shift or if they just got a rocket up their ass at half time and got b was like right this isn't working we're gonna make the pitch bigger we're gonna press the hell out of them and we're gonna gamble that they won't be able to play through the press which we couldn't do um and i feel like it's one of those things if they'd have made that change 30 minutes into the match if you'd have communicated that from the bench and said right we're gonna start really aggressively pressing at half time we would have rectified that and got our, got our heads around it but because it happened when there's no like other break we just we just never adapted to what they were doing. We couldn't kind of because like if we'd have beaten that press, would have had like kind of four four on three or something or four on four. Yeah. And could have got a lot of joy there, but we we just never we could never quite break break. We broke the first line a few times, but we could never like break the midfield press, and they just suffocated us. And it's really disappointing because I thought I thought we looked so good first half. You look at like the mistakes that are made by the players there, and it's from players that normally don't make. Errors like that, like like you know, for the first time the season, we were seeing like Lorenzo get the ball away. Like uh, I think Dan had a couple of like little moments too, and it, even like for the the their first goal, I think was just like from a a loose pass in the middle there. So it's just kind of odd that, as you said, that we just didn't have uh, a plan to to counteract what they were doing to us, right? So um, and we we literally just our only thing was, was just to lump the ball forward and, and all we were doing was just giving it back to them and then we'd go back to this thing of just sitting really, really deep and you know, you, you've watched this game long enough to know there's only ever going to be usually one outcome when you're sitting that deep in a game, it's like somebody's you're, somebody's going to score a goal against you pretty much and I, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't I don't think we want, wanted to sit that deep, I think it was just yeah yeah, it, but you know like the the, the last goal again, like in the last minute, was like a, a fucking killer blow as well. And they, I mm. would not blame 
Danny McFarney that it was just unfortunate. The no, way no, no. He's tried to clear yeah. it, but um, yeah. So se- se- second goal is just like they just loft the ball in, and I think we've gone to three at the back at that point. Daniel's come on, and like wonderful player Daniel, obviously, but the understanding that Dan and Kale have of where each other are on the pitch at all times is second to none in the whole league, I'd say. And when you add another player to that, which I think was an acknowledgement that we'd be defending the box for the last 10 minutes. But when you add another player to that, it just kind of, and like, I think Dan and Daniil's communication wasn't great. And like, they didn't know who was tracking the runner, who was going to win the header. And um, yeah, so it's, and the first goal was really preventable as well. Like I think for the first goal, because we because they were pressing us so high, our two centre backs split quite wide, our full back split really wide, and we kind of emptied out the middle of the pitch. So when Riley Ferrazzo played a square ball into Lorenzo and it got cut out, they kind of had a pretty clear run at goal. And yeah, so it, it, it happens. We we were trying to workshop and fix what was going on, and in the process of doing that, like we we made an error. But yeah, it happens. Yeah, once once Wes, I think it was Wes. Uh, lost that header uh, for for like the, the last goal, the second goal. Uh, it was always they just looked inevitable after that because mm. they were they were just onto it. So, but yeah, you know, you kind of um, this is always the danger too when you're trying to change things around to get to get people in there to get minutes. And you could definitely see like there were some tired legs towards the end. And um, as you said, like they Vancouver like really us through the grinder on the in the second half and um yeah it, it showed so you know all we can do is like hope that we turn it around on saturday like obviously i, I think we're probably gonna have a more full strength team um on saturday so what do you think um do you think that forge like will just do they they don't really have anything to play for now because they've already clinched their playoff spot and mm. all that kind of stuff and obviously uh, congrats to calvary by the way for uh, winning the the regular season thing, but um, yeah. So, do you think they'll put out like a, a second stringer and give us give us a chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. Well, they're still they're still playing for second place, aren't they? Which has its own carrot yep. attached to it. So, yeah, they'll they'll be full strength and like they'll want to keep their momentum going as well because they had a really good win against Pacific. So they'll want to keep that run going. So there's absolutely no way they'll 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 weaken the side. I don't think. Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be there, unfortunately. I'm at a wedding, so. Oh my god! So they better they better finish fourth. So, I've got another home game to go to this season. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll I'm be there. Devastated. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, I'm. A couple of people from work are going to their first Wanderers game, so. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I I kind of said to him, I was like, it's the best spot to go to. So I'm for. For the, the the casual fan just trying to start out their first game, I think it's a good spot. So yeah, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Um, yeah. So who would be your your man in the match on that on on that one? Was there one? Fucking hell, are we not have you not got Molson anymore? Are they no, they, they broke up with you again. Yeah, they like you know the the last delivery I got was those Belgian moons, and uh, <laughs> I'm not really a fan. So <laughs> you're like you're like teenage on on off again. I know, yeah. girlfriends, you two aren't you? <laughs> They didn't send me the beer yeah, again. Yeah. It's over, and you then next week they send you it again. You're like, oh, you don't talk. Yeah, you don't. You don't talk anymore. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. man of the match. Let's give it to Massimo Ferrin. Just always looks like our most dangerous player. Unbelievable at separating from his marker. Like that's his superpower, and he did that several times against Vancouver. So, 
yeah, great player who who still somehow flies under the radar a little bit. It is kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, mm. I think I think his problem in terms of that is that because last year, like he was obviously was the MVP of the league in League One, he's top scorer, blah blah blah, and obviously he doesn't have the same stats as what he had like, like last year. But like, it's a big jump up, and he's obviously not playing in the same sort of position so uh, i think he's mm. done fantastically well like i mean he assists quite a lot and he scores goals so yeah i i'd agree too like i i thought wilson actually had a pretty decent game for the most part um but yeah i thought Farron. uh he's he's such a good player to watch i actually really enjoy watching him i, th- I just love his attitude he's got a, mm. a good attitude too so yeah um nice yeah. guy as well like, i liked his interview i like the interview you did with him like he, he i thought he was a, sounded like a really nice guy really chilled out and yeah, I really enjoy talking to him because uh, you know, like he he has a bit to say, you know, and like he's kind of fairly open, and you know, he'll he'll he's quite eloquent, I, I would say, you know, mm. he uh, he put his points across really well. So, yeah, I must say I've really enjoyed uh, all of the interviews I've done this year with the players and and staff. Um, it's been it's been kind of fun. I, I, I just love having the access, and yeah, um, it's it's been kind of nice. So yeah, um, so come. Come Saturday, uh, I'll be there. I'll have beers for you in spirit, Garrett. Um, <laughs> and you, yeah, let's hope we win it because uh, we really need a playoff spot. Playoff spots are just, yeah, no one wants it at the moment, do they? The gods have been so kind to us. Like, you know, like Ottawa have been on a, mm-hmm. uh, oh, actually, I didn't mean to ask you something about Ottawa. Uh, so, you know, they've conceded quite a lot of late goals in their last kind of couple of games. And, uh, it's kind of put them off the rails a little bit. So, what, 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 what's going on there? What's, what's going on with their style of play? Have they changed anything? Like, or like, what's, what's the deal? Yeah, it's been interesting, like watching the kind of the dialogue amongst their fans after the the game on on Sunday that they lost in the like, fourth out of five they've lost in the last minute. And when I, when I think about Ottawa, like I think about a conversation you and I had after the after the final, after the playoff final last year. I remember saying in that to you that I thought if that game was in Hamilton, they would 100% have won that final. But I think Ottawa struggle when they're playing at home and they've got a large crowd. Because when you're playing in that sort of environment, there's a huge impetus on you as the home side to be attacking and front-footed and aggressive. But they can't be because that's that's not who their coach is, and that's not that's not who they are as a club, and it's not who they can be. I don't think. And the reason for that is, I was listening to a podcast the other day called Training Ground Guru, and they kind of interview people within the game, and they were interviewing kind of head of methodology or something for City Group, and City Group is kind of the the organization that owns Manchester City, Melbourne, New York FC, or whatever. All of these clubs under their umbrella. And this guy's job is basically to ensure that every single one of the teams under the City Group umbrella play exactly the same way. And he was saying, like, it's so important to organisations to have a brand identity where you can recognise this is our style of play. And I was listening to that. I was thinking, like, you know what? I bet Atletico Madrid are exactly the same. And they have they have control over how each of their clubs play football. And they want them all to play the Atletico Madrid style, which like anyone who would watch much of Atletico Madrid over the past 10 years with Simeone knows it's kind of like backs to the wall, defend your territory, defend your goal, nick a goal on the break. And 
Ottawa were great at that last season because they had speedsters, they had like Tabla. Um, so they could do that. And it kind of flattered to deceive a little bit the way they played. They won a lot of goals by small margins, but they got to the final and they, like I said, they would have won if they're away. But now, like if if you if you try and play that way at home in front of 7,000 fans, it's you kind of, I think as players, psychologically, you're in this kind of weird limbo where you're like, oh God, everyone's cheering on us to attack, but we can't really do that because our whole thing is we sit in and absorb pressure and blah, blah, blah. And, I've, and I think there's an interesting tension in that club between, like as much as like I took the piss with that tweet and stuff and as much as like their fans fucking despise me, like they <laughs> do have like an incredibly passionate aggressive energetic rabid fan base for home games and if i was them i would just like weaponize that fan base as much as possible use them as a 12th man because if you kind of if you play a brand of football that feeds into that and matches their energy then honestly mate that club could hop hugely like they that that club could go places but while they're kind of stick into this kind of simeone derivative defensive football that fan base is not getting to feed off what they want to feed off. And and yeah, like if, if I was their supporters, I would be praying that they finish fifth, not fourth. Because I think if they have all away games in the playoffs, they could win it. But I think if they've got to play at home in front of, say, 10,000 fans where the expectation is that they attack, that I don't think they will win it. So yeah, that's my thoughts on Ottawa. It's, it's kind of a weird concept that you would have I get the kind of brand identity, but when it comes to football, what's the point of like hiring different coaches if all you're going to do is just try and play the way that one person wants to? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mm. make any sense to me. And like, so if eventually if Simeone leaves and, and someone else comes in, are they going to change the brand yeah. again? You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's, it's a weird kind of concept and they should just leave because every league is different. And, you know, if it doesn't work and you should be able to, uh, to fix it up and kind of, because I think the best thing for a brand is to be successful. So if they're struggling, um, it just doesn't kind of feed into what they're what they're trying to do. But um, I was really impressed that they got over seven thousand fans out on mm. um, on the weekend, and it was uh, Carl uh, Howard's uh, last uh, home game in Ottawa. He's been a great servant to that city for uh, in football, and uh, kind of wish him well and. Whatever is, I, f- I feel like he's going to slot in alongside um Drew Becky and yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but he's he's a really good guy from to have around, and he's he's played in quite a good few places. So yeah, I think it's a good experience for him to have there. So yeah, Gar, uh, enjoy the wedding. Uh, you'll be missed Thank on you. Saturday. Um, if we if we lose, you'll be blamed. So yeah, 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 I, I accept that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so uh hopefully the, the wedding's not in ottawa or else uh no it's, it's on the northwest arm actually okay. so i'll be able to hear the grounds probably but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not in ottawa luckily just facetime me and uh, you can watch it uh all right man thanks mill talk to you Cheers, soon. mate Bye-bye. Cheers,